Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their advertising campaigns. On today's episode, we have Preston Clark, co-founder of the Law Insider, that's lawinsider.com, the world's largest contract database, which is publicly available online. If you want to go see Kanye's record deal or the compensation agreements for Elon Musk, Tesla, and Netflix, go there, check it out. They're available, and his tool breaks that down for attorneys and business people looking to build their own contracts. The Law Insider is where you need to go. So Preston, it's a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Lucas, I'm, I'm great. Uh, it's great to be on. Why don't you give us a quick elevator pitch about your journey as an entrepreneur and how you ended up here? So I've been, you know, my, my background is both in legal as a former attorney, but, but more recently over the last decade in business to business and in software. And we started Linesider back when, you know, we, uh, me and my co-founder uh, were early enough in our careers where we wanted to build something that was on the side that we could invest in, you know, a few hours a week, but that we knew would grow. Um, and that sort of like you, you, you pick something that you say, gosh, if we planted a seed here every day for five years, it might be something. And so it had that sort of cumulative upside potential to it. And um, so, so that's what we did. We, we saw contracts as an opportunity. We saw it as a huge underserved area where, uh, you know, we, we deal in terms of uh, drafting and negotiating most people do in, in various parts of their lives um, but there's not much education or resources on how to do it more effectively um, so we had this vision to build this we, we built it over many many years um, and now um, you know we have millions of contracts we have millions of users who use the site on a monthly basis and uh, and it's 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 become something um, that's pretty cool and pretty big uh, but it certainly didn't start that way I wanted to unpack a little bit more the growth. You know, I know a little bit about this project, but from what you've described so far, it wasn't something that you guys made a big media splash with ad dollars and branding and partnerships. Uh, I don't believe there was any big venture funding that went into the project. You guys went about it the content-focused way. Take us through that evolution and why you put so much stake in that portion of your marketing strategy? Sure, sure. Um, so uh, there's a few ways I could go here. Um, let me start by saying, uh, for me, starting a business um, is as much about deciding your distribution strategy as your product strategy or the pain that you're solving strategy. And, and so an idea of, hey, let's go build a product is only interesting if it's let's build a product that has a distribution mechanism built into it, or let's design one into it. And so an example, uh, lots of folks probably use Calendly um, for scheduling meetings. Well, what's interesting about Calendly is it has a really good distribution model. It's really good at getting new users. It's, it's part of why Zoom, the video conferencing, became so successful is it's really good at bringing in new users. And so if you can't crack that code, then you know my perspective is don't don't 
spend a bunch of energy. It's like writing a the great American novel and no one ever reading it. It's like, it's all for naught. So um, for us, yes, to your question, we picked one distribution channel. It was going to be SEO. There are other ways to go about this. So this isn't the only way. Um, this is a, a, this, this way takes a long time, but it aligns to our product. Cause if our product is, well-organized, well-structured contract data. So it's clauses, it's defined terms. It's, I want to look at Tesla agreements from, you know, 2002. I want to, I want to, I want to see Elon Musk's separation agreement from PayPal. You know, these are years ago. Um, that's long tail SEO, Lucas. So that's, that's really now, if we, if we can get indexed by Google, and, and presumably there's some fraction of a fraction of, of a population that are searching for very specific, very nuanced um, uh, people, agreements, terms every single day that we could, we could have this arbitrage around that, which, which is what we did. And so our power is not that we rank really high for executive employment agreements, though I think we rank pretty well. It's that we rank for the nuanced, for the long tail, for the obscure, um, because we've organized that data better than anyone. So that was our plan. And then from, as it turns out, from a, uh, a acquisition perspective, uh, the thing that the people want is they either want to download the agreement or they want to copy a section of the agreement. And that's where it makes it really easy for us to uh, build an email list um, because people are willing to trade their email address for that type of access. So they didn't just come there to read the, you know, Tesla such and such agreement. They want to extract some part of it or, or, or the whole of it. And if they don't, that's fine too. They can just read and leave. But there, it turns out there's a large percentage that actually want to possess that thing, maybe for their own drafting purposes, maybe to use as a template, maybe to, to borrow some of the language. Um, and, and so the, the trade or the give and take is in order to get that, um, you need to give us your, your email address. And we capture today between three and 500 email addresses every single day. So that's sort of the scale or the volume of how this works. And, and for those who, who might be listening to this saying, oh, that's great. Like we should go do that. Well, you know, the first five years, there was barely any traffic. So to put it in perspective, it was a long, long play. Um, and so for those of you who are trying to design a growth strategy into your business model, um, I don't know if we're a blueprint for doing that. We're certainly one way to go about doing it. Uh, and it was a way that I think we were very confident would work. Uh, it just was going to take a really long time, which, which it did. How did you guys learn over the years how to first get them into the top and then sort of nurture those relationships to get them to come out the bottom as paying customers. Talk us through that strategy and how it's evolved over time. Sure, so attribution is a huge deal and, and this isn't my only business and this isn't sort of my only experience with attribution and with lead scoring and with sort of moving people through a buyer journey. Um, in, in sort of traditional B2B, uh, it's different, you know, because you think about there's the awareness stage and the education and, you know, these sort of the stages or the, the progression of someone all the way to buying. You can be very 
you can like sort of build a map of knowledge and education and you're like, hey, you know, when someone downloads this white paper, let's do an autoresponder that gets them into these two other videos that could then get them into this. And so you can sort of design that educational map with the assumption that after X number of touch points, after X number of educational um, uh, assets, they will be, you know, whatever, a sales qualified lead, or they'll just be in a much better position to, to want to either evaluate or, or in the best case purchase. For us, because we're a freemium product, because we are SEO, have no sales organization, we have virtually no support. So we are very, very light touch. Um, everything is premised on, um, we have, the ability to solve a small problem for you in the moment and uh, our goal is over time to solve enough of those little moments that you decide that you want to access uh, the whole thing and i'll put that in better context that's a little bit uh, too abstract of a description but what that means exactly to answer your question someone starts on google they type in uh, Elon Musk's uh, separation agreement from PayPal. Like, okay, we're gonna rank for that. You go, it comes up, you say, I wanna download that. It pops up, says, hey, give us your email address. Now they're in the system. They download that agreement, they're like, this is great. They leave, we may never see them again. A lot of those people, that's the only agreement they ever looked for from us and they're gone. Well, as it turns out though, there's a lot of other people who are going to need another agreement. Those are lawyers, those are law students, those are entrepreneurs, business executives, et cetera, who need um, an ongoing resource. And what they do is they find themselves coming back again and again. And, and that has a lot to do with, with SEO reach. And so our uh, multiple touch points are quote unquote nurturing. And I don't think this is a best practice. This is just our reality, Lucas. Our nurturing is our prominence. And so that you are going to see us again, not because we're running retargeting ads or trying to move you through a cycle, um, but because if you really have a need, you are going to keep seeing us. And if you don't, then us marketing to you, like, hey, what if you like this agreement, you might really like this one. Like, we just don't think that that works. And it might um, at, at sort of the next chapter of our growth, but the sort of assumption is, the people who need more of what we offer are eventually going to find it very difficult to access um, the volume that they need without upgrading to premium. And that's really where the conversion point happens. But again, as I mentioned, you know, we, we're a zero touch organization. So there's no sales team that's going to call you and say, Hey, Lucas, you know, I saw you downloaded this. Would you like to upgrade to premium? I can save you 20% or whatever. It's like, Nope you're gonna keep coming back, you're gonna feel the friction that's built into the product that makes it more difficult to get what you need with the free account, um, and, you know, and then some percentage every day, pull out their credit card to, to start a trial and, and then X percent from that convert and, and, and we're off to the races. And you are relying on having a product that is so good, so powerful, so sticky that people are gonna to wanna to take their credit card out because the value is there. Talk us through how you have develop that brand that that trust in the middle and how you support it with the user experience because that's what's going to really make or break uh, the business and its ability to not only attract customers but acquire them into into becoming paying customers since we're in the middle of the political season lucas i'm going to answer a slightly different question than the one you just asked me um i, I recommend 
reading about Rich Barton, we're creating access to something that um, that was otherwise very difficult to access. And how Rich Barton describes it is that anytime he found himself sitting someplace with another person, human being across from him, uh, accessing a computer to give him information, he was like, this thing is broken. Like, I, I want to I want to switch seats with you because I just want to do that myself. Like, there's no reason that you should be doing this for me because like, like we just need to change the UX and make it accessible to me. Um, the trust comes in a number of different ways. And, and I think that in the case of Airbnb, the notion of trust is much harder to earn and to maintain for us. Right. We're, we're, we're pulling together really uh, a well-negotiated agreements that have the trust built into the agreement, right? Because if it's been, if it's an, if it's a license agreement between Oracle and like, I don't know, the federal government or something, you're like, my gosh, like how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees went into negotiating this agreement. And, you know, I'm, I'm Joe business owner and I get to download this and use it as an, as a template, this thing that has, you know, had, you know, a lot of really smart lawyers negotiated. So like the credibility is built in and the credibility is understood by the parties involved in the negotiation. So qualitatively, so long as we're sourcing where the documents are from, which is built into the agreement anyway, um, and we're not sort of diluting the site with, uh, you know, poorly drafted contracts from sort of obscure businesses that aren't, that don't have the public scrutiny that a publicly traded company or a, you know, a, a higher ed institution or something that, that has sort of an expectation of quality, um, then, you know, our, our, we're able to maintain that um, in a way that frankly is pretty easy. I mean, it's quite an accomplishment. You're doing a ton of legwork um, to bring this value to your users and all that sort of abstractly flows up into that logo, into that brand experience so that attorney X can tell attorney Y, hey, I got this from Law Insider, it's fantastic, go there. I wanted yeah. to hear from your perspective how you were able to build that into the logo and into the experience. And it might not have been something you set out to do uh, with a, a set of criteria, but it just sort of happened over time. So talk us through that, yeah, if you would. Yeah, so I, I think I think in two ways. One is um, is a is a reflection of our product team um, and and making sure that the experience was really good. It was easy to find the agreement you were looking for. It was easy to download it. Easy to access it. Easy to even where where we were creating friction, like asking for your email address. Even that is smooth. Uh, we go to great lengths to make sure that uh, it feels like a place that we didn't just cobble this thing together in a bunch of disorganized agreements that are just sort of slapped into a database. There is a lot of structure and order, and I think that, that that builds trust. But I think the other piece that is newer for us, Lucas, um, which is is probably more familiar to your, your B2B followers, is that... Um, the notion of we're providing in this case a contract or a document that you're going to download well 
let's talk about, let's have a conversation about what's around that. What are you doing? What, what's the job to be done here? You're trying to negotiate an agreement for the first time. You, you, you need some sample language for a certain clause. You need to, you need a better uh, 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 reps and warranties section. You need liquidated damages section. You need to indemnify uh, against some sort of certain risk that may be built into an agreement. We just did a webinar yesterday on negotiating podcast agreements. Um, the, the, the reality is, is that there's actually a lot to be built now, both from a brand and reputation perspective, by creating educational resources that teach people how to use this database better. And I don't just mean how to find something faster. I don't just mean tutorials. I mean, education around how to draft and negotiate certain agreement types more effectively so that when you're inside and you're in our database and you're looking for an executive employment agreement because you're going to do the biggest hire you've ever made you're going to bring in a vp of sales or whatever that it's not just oh here's a template it's now let, let's teach you about the key elements to what goes into this and i think that's where we're just starting to get that engine cranking. We have our contract tear teardown show on YouTube. Um, we have some great attorneys uh, who are contract experts and transactional uh, experts who are part of our team now who are putting out webinar content and articles and guides and toolkits um, that provide this supplement around the product. And I think to your question, this is what builds the brand and the credibility. So yeah, when people say, I have a contract question. They think of Law Insider not only in this transactional, I'm just going to go take a document, but actually educationally, I'm going to put myself in a better position to navigate this deal with and through them. Take us through your vision of the future, not for Law Insider, but the legal industry as a whole. You see things, uh, LegalZoom was probably the first to come out and quote unquote, you know, innovate in this space. You have Rocket Lawyer uh, out there now, that sort of a AI machine learning contract building software, if I understand it correctly. But where do you think this is all going? I think the pandemic changed the free consultation and the, the glass conference room table at the big attorney's office. What's, what's going to happen to this industry that is very one-on-one, -on -one, very sort of expensive, so to speak, relative to other products and services that are out there. And how is the internet and the pandemic and just the economy in general gonna shape this landscape over say the next five to 10 years? What I think is going to happen is I think that, I'll, I'll jump all the way to the finish line and I will say, I believe that the AmLaw 100, which are the largest 100 law firms in the world, will start getting into the B2B software world. I think they will start acquiring um, products and, and, and tools that they can serve to their clients. And so they start to look more like a large uh, Deloitte, you know, sort of consulting firm um, than they do just a services organization, which is what they are today. And um, law firms, the, 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 top, the top ones are very profitable um, but they're not as profitable as a 90% gross margin software business. And 
And so I think that that's, that is one area where there will be some disruption or innovation. And that doesn't seem very innovative. You're just sort of mashing two things that already exist together. But it is very disruptive in that as those law firms start to do that, they start to realize that, that their attorneys are less profitable to them than these software tools are. And I think that that's going to be a very difficult because you're going to have to realign compensation. It's going to mean something different to be a partner. Uh, the billable hour is going to be rethought. Um, and so, but I think that that's coming. The other piece that I think is interesting is that the fate of the newspaper, just as an example, is that uh, in, in the democratization of information, that it's really difficult for us to distinguish between that which we're willing to pay for versus that which we can get for free and how much we value that difference. And um, the, the job of the lawyer in large part um, is to just tell you uh, information and, and that is harder to pay for long-term. Now, what you're, what you're ultimately paying a lawyer for is analysis, but uh, oftentimes, even before the analysis comes, there's just a, here are your rights, here's what's available to you, um, which isn't um, as analysis heavy, it is just factual based. And I think as that starts to erode, I think what you realize is that um, the value of the lawyer, uh, the ability, the pricing leverage is, is the right way to put it, the pricing leverage of the lawyer starts to go away and it starts to get pushed up into the things that the lawyer does um, and the people who the lawyers serve that um, are more lucrative. So big M&A attorneys are always gonna be paid well because the stakes are so high, the consequences are so high for, for doing it wrong. Um, but that means at the bottom of the market where you also need a lot of lawyers, immigration attorneys, access to justice, how do you get uh, an illegal immigrant who's trying to petition um, uh, to not be sent back into a circumstance in El Salvador um, where their life might be at risk? Like, like where's the money for that? And, and so long story short is I think that uh, technology is going to start entering our legal system in a way that is really healthy and good because it allows for, for better access. But I think that the legal system itself is going to uh, go through a lot of growing pains because you have a lot of attorneys who spent a lot of hundreds of thousands of dollars to get an education who are going to find themselves uh, not sufficiently compensated nor sufficiently valued. Um, in the way that uh, they used to be when the model was structured differently, when the democratization of information um, wasn't quite as uh, distributed as it is today. That's a great way to wrap this up. Guys, I think Preston has covered quite a few things here, right? If you want to build something great, it's a long journey. If you start with a product and you put something out there that's valuable and trusted by the community, eventually those people will come find you. I think the Law Insider is a fantastic example of how to really crush the content marketing channel. A lot of us would kill to get 500 fresh email addresses a day. And it's the product itself, it's the brand, it's the trust that's been built up and into this product over time that helps a percentage of those people convert into paying customers. So Preston, thanks for being here today. We appreciate you breaking down this legal industry. 
And if you guys are looking for your next contract or guidance on your current contract, whether or not you're an individual or a business, an entrepreneur or attorney, please head to lawinsider.com. That is the Attribution Marketing Podcast signing off. Mm -hmm.